I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, starting a new series, India's linguistic heritage, I take you to the origins of Indians, the hidden story of Sanskrit, and the absolute inanity of the North-South divide. The summer of 1420. Along the foothills of the Western Ghats bordering Kerala, a strange sequence of events unfolded. A poor family, consisting of a woman, her husband, and their son, is visited by a sage who feels pity for them. He blesses them with Jyotishmati Tela or medicinal oil, which would have the property to kill one, madden another, and make the third wise. Incidentally, this woman, who went by the name of Nacharu, is the one who turns wise. while her husband turns mad and her son dies jealous of her wisdom the learned men of the village many who had the knowledge of the vedas decided to hatch a plan and insult her they asked her to arrange a meal for the entire village as a penance of what happened to her husband and son she accepted it in all innocence and was even presented with the saree to be worn during the ceremony soon the wicked plot took shape and while serving ghee and rice the saree slipped down because of the material much to the humiliation of nacharu the whole bunch of people started laughing and made fun of the poor lady nacharu in her anger cursed the entire bunch of people to become chandals or those who were untouchables looking at her fury the people immediately realized their mistake and apologized to her she calmed down but since she had already cursed the place she decided to move to a newer land around 100 families joined her in this expedition the route they possibly took was over the mountains to kerala via thrissur palghat wayanad before entering karnataka near kodagu and continued their journey till they reached koshika in hassan district of karnataka the migrations continued over a few decades and many settled in a village we now know as matur matur's claim to fame however is that it is one of the two villages in india where everyone speaks sanskrit it has earned the moniker of the sanskrit village but interestingly they also speak a lesser known language sankethi a rare mix of sanskrit tamil malayalam and kannada but what if i told you that apart from sanskrit being a language which gave rise to many other languages it was profoundly influenced by the dravidian languages or the languages which are spoken across southern india and not just at a superficial level like adding a few words but at a more fundamental level but why should you care i mean how does that matter in this day and age in a country which is seeing a return of hindi imposition on the southern states this episode covers a complex history of race and languages and how we became the people we are today one of the long standing questions in indian history has been who exactly are the vedic people there is a famous aryan migration or aryan invasion theory which has been doing the rounds for a few decades in 2008 a study of the mitochondrial dna in south asia had found no evidence of any change in the indian gene pool mitochondrial dna is transmitted only from mother to daughter it does not take men folk into consideration so basis this 
Had there been no migration of Vedic people into India at all? Later in 2017, when the investigation into Y DNA or the male line of descent began, things started to become clearer. This study told of a large influx into the region dating back to the Bronze Age, roughly when the Harappan civilization had just fallen apart. This is also around the time at which the verses of the Rig Veda first appeared, around 1500 BC. All of this influx traced back to the Pontic Caspian region. of central asia so the aryans did exist except that they were all male and came from central asia so our ancestors are a part of an age old story men intruding into new lands eliminating the men folk and taking the local women as wives claiming the progeny as direct descendants of their paternal line if you don't believe this let me give you a very famous example ved vyas a scribe who wrote down the vedas had non brahmin non aryan mother grandmother and great grandmother but he himself was brahmin so now that the question about the origins of a race is answered what about our languages this brings us to two core tenets of linguistics the first being retroflexion if you speak hindi or sanskrit you would understand this better consider the letters ta tha da dha na and sh when we speak these the tongue touches the upper teeth but when we speak ta tha da dha na and sh the tip of the tongue curls upwards the second set of words are produced by retroflexion and something which is a part of all languages of the subcontinent so much so it's like a linguistic dna tag to identify a language emerging from southern asia so of course this contrast is present in all the dravidian languages such as tamil telugu kannada and malayalam and they are non existent in any of the european languages to the north of india like persian greek and latin and since sanskrit is an indo european language the retroflex sounds must have come from the dravidian languages the second tenant is aspiration consider the hindi word bath which means thing and bath which means boiled rice the pronunciation of bha comes from the his after bha this is called aspiration and again this does not exist outside the indian subcontinent and they are also not found in any of the dravidian languages except in words loaned from sanskrit and even there the aspiration is ignored this same thing applies to letters such as kh gh ch jh dh th dh and f but surprisingly it's not present in punjabi and sindhi which is why a punjabi instead of saying ghar for home avoids the aspiration and says car neither is it present in burushaski a language isolated with no known relatives and it comes from the remote hunza valley in present day pakistan it leads us to conclude rather surprisingly that people living in the present day regions of punjab haryana kashmir and delhi are descendants of the earlier dravidian populations yes all genetic and language evidence points to the fact that north indians are partly south indians sanskrit too came through the vedic people who entered the country married the women held on tight to their own language but nested them in the grammar of the women's language which happened to be the dravidian languages so let me sum this up for you for many of us living in the northwestern subcontinent our paternal side came from central asia our maternal side is what are today called south indians if we speak punjabi hindi sindhi gujarati marathi konkani and dialects of rajasthan you are still descendants of the dravidian population which had lived on these lands much before the invasion doesn't the entire north south distinction sound absurd now 
Doesn't the entire obsession of central governments with Hindi sound even more ridiculous now? Much like Sanketi, the rare mix of Sanskrit, Tamil, Malayalam and Kannada spoken by a tiny population today, our identities are often closely tied to our languages. But when our genetics and languages themselves are so deeply intertwined, the entire idea of what's pure becomes pointless. In our bitterly divided world, we need to forego our obsession with the pure and embrace the delicious mix we are, that is India. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YV Travel 42 on Instagram.